0: If this is your first time, welcome. I hope you fill out a welcome card um, and give it to us at the table as you leave so we can get some information from you. Um, if you've been to the branch for a while, um, welcome back. Hope you all had a great week. Um, man, it's it's amazing and comforting um, to sing that song, that just know that God's presence is here, um, and for me personally, it calms my nerves, um, so just resting in that truth um, so if you don't know me, my name is Jay Vinson. I'm an intern here at the branch. Um, and specifically, kind of last year, um, I was known as the bunny, the bunny rabbit for Easter. Uh, but thankfully this year, we've done a lot of um, kind of leadership development, and stuff like that, and given, we've kind of given us um, the staff people kind of roles. Um, and so I'm specifically over MCs and missional communities. So if you are not in a missional community, please come see me. Um, if you want information on that, Or if you are just kind of questioning what is an MC, please come see me afterward, um, or next week, whenever. Um, I'm the guy to come talk to. Any of these guys can tell you about it, but that's kind of my specialty, so please. Um, So tonight, we are going to be in Luke. Um, What a surprise, right? So I hope y'all are comfortable in Luke, because we're going to be here for a while. I think Gabe said possibly a year and a half, two years, um, something like that. So we are just kind of getting started. Um, And so a few weeks ago, Gabe preached um, on John the Baptist and how he came and prepared the way for Jesus. And then last week, we had Kyle come and um, preach to us about uh, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness and how we need to trust God. Um, And so tonight, we're going to be in Luke 4, Luke chapter 4, um, verses 14 through 30. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, third Bible of the New Testament. Um, and so tonight we're going to be looking at Jesus beginning his ministry, and also um, we're going to see how he gets kicked out of his hometown. Um, and so with that, it's kind of his first sermon that he's going to be preaching in his hometown. So I'm thankful that my first sermon here at the branch, i um, kind of, I called Delonica my home, so this was my hometown. Thankfully, y'all did not kick me out um, and go try to push me off Preacher's Rock um, and kill me. So we'll see this, this kind of happens to Jesus in his own hometown Um, And so, Luke chapter 4, verses 14 um, through 30. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, And he said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Verse 24. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many leopards in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Nanam, the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town, and brought him to the brow of a hill, on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Let's pray, dearly Father. We come to you tonight, um, just thankful. Um, Broken, sinful, nervous, anxious. But God, that we know um, that your word and, and the truth is that you did everything for us, God. God, I, I'm just so thankful um, for your Holy Spirit and just for your son coming and dying for us, God. I'm so thankful to get the opportunity to just preach um, where God, where Jesus begins his ministry. God, I pray that you will humble me and I pray that it won't be me speaking up here, but it'll be you um, speaking through me, God. Take any pride away and just let it, let us rest in you, God. Um, God, I pray for these next few minutes that... You will just open our ears and open our hearts, God. I pray that um, somebody will get something out of this message, God, including me. God, we just we just love you and praise you, Amen. So, if you notice, that was a pretty lengthy um, scripture that I read, and so tonight. Kind of how the next few minutes are going to go. Um, we're going to exegete through some scripture, and that's a total of 16 verses. So um, hopefully it'll go well. Might be referencing some notes a good bit. Um, I text Gabe earlier this week and about the sermon, and he's he uh, sent back a reply and he said it's a hard text. And I'm like. Well, thanks for the encouragement there. Um, but thankfully, we, we were able to talk, and he, he encouraged me in that. Um, but so along with that, we're going to read some scripture, and then we're going to talk some. Um, so if you look at Luke 4, um, 14 and 15, and so it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all." Um, So there's four things that we can learn about these two verses right here as Jesus begins his ministry. um, Is one, that he's returning to Galilee. And if you don't know, um, this is the region that Jesus um, picks and chooses his disciples. So this is an important region um, that he is returning to and and is about to start his ministry in. Um, The next key thing to point out is in the power of the Spirit. And so in this power, um, the Spirit equipped him. And then it also um, also equipped him for um, teaching. And so I, I find some peace in that because that same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus there is with me now. Um, and so it's guiding me and, and equipping me um, for this teaching. And so the next point is he taught in their synagogues. Um, so this, this brings attention that Jesus actually went to the synagogues. Um, and it was on a Sabbath day. And so if you look in the book of Luke, there's going to be, this is about the first of six other Sabbath day preaching, um, some in synagogues, some outside of synagogues. But we'll see that this is the first kind of controversial um, time on a Sabbath day that we see Jesus um, encountering. And so the last point that we get, pick out of here is that, it, that Jesus was glorified by all um, And this is an an initial reaction of Jesus, but we will soon see um, that this initial reaction won't last long. Um, Can I get everybody to raise their hand right now? Don't be shy. All right, good. So y'all just proved to me that y'all can raise your hand, so I'm going to ask some questions here. Um, So who was pulling for the Cubs in the World Series? Anybody? What about the Indians? That's who I was pulling for, so awesome. Um, So who was excited? This is also a raise your hand question. So who was excited about the Cubs winning the World Series? All right, are y'all still as excited as you were when they won the World Series? It's kind of starting to fade, right? So you might have saw that the Braves just signed two pitchers, and hey, maybe you're getting excited about preseason for the Braves, right? And so this Cubs World Series win is kind of going away. Um, So if that doesn't relate to you, um, which this next point kind of, I guess, last night kind of hurt it, but any Kirby Smart fans out there? Anybody? Not as many, Georgia's head coach, so there was some excitement coming into Georgia's season, right, with a new coach, um, everything was looking great, right, and, man, what a, what a disappointing season up until, I guess, last night, and so, um, that kind of ruined it for that sermon illustration that they won last <laughs> night, but that's all right. Um, and so if, if you're not in the sports world and that doesn't kind of resonate with you, um, who's excited about cold weather, right? It's November, it's about to be winter. All right, let me ask you, how many of y'all in January or February, actually raise your hand, who was that? Y'all are excited? All are right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember a few of these and ask y'all in January and February if y'all are still excited about that cold weather. Because um, I guarantee you that initial thought, that initial excitement is going to change here um, coming up. And so in this next little um, passage that we're going to read, we see Jesus coming into his hometown and we see all this excitement coming out of the region and um, of Galilee and then also in his hometown there's some, there's some excitement brewing but um, just like those examples we'll see that excitement kind of fades. Um, and we'll actually see the opposite, where um, anger kind of comes up. So, if you look at me, look with me at verse 16. So, Luke 4:16. And it's and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. So, we see Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. But now we zoom in, um, and we're looking at Nazareth, where. This was Jesus's hometown. Um, so if you remember obviously Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem um, to fulfill their tax the tax that was called on the on the land and so this is actually Nazareth is actually Mary and Joseph's hometown and this is where Jesus would have grown up um, kind of I'm not real sure what age but kind of grown up his childhood, and then he would have worked um, worked as he got older as well. And so the key part about that is people in Nazareth knew who he was, um, and they are, they're familiar with his family as well. Um, and another key point to point out there is that he, um, it was his custom to attend the synagogue. Um, and so we see that Jesus, he faithfully faithfully. Attend synagogue. Um, And that's kind of similar to our church services. Um, You'll see an example of a synagogue service in these next few um, verses. So, Luke 4, we're just going to keep rolling. Um, Luke 4, 17 through 20. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. So we don't have enough time today um, and tonight to really flip over to this um, scripture in Isaiah, but if you want to take note and if you want to reference it for yourself, it's Jesus is quoting um, or reading from Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, and then also Isaiah 58 6, Um, and like I said, just because of time, we don't have time to um, reference those and go kind of study those, but I want you to pick out, I want you to see five things that Jesus's mission includes. Um, So, through verses 18 and 19, we see five things that Jesus does, um, or is called to do. It says one, uh, first one, is proclaim good news to the poor. Second one, proclaim liberty to the captives. Third one, give sight to the blind. Fourth one, give liberty to those who are oppressed. And the last one, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, I want you to look at those, and I want you to just kind of put this in your mind, but two of those things that that verses eighteen and nineteen mention are physical needs that Jesus is going to meet and I want you to just remember this that three spoke of spiritual needs, um, and this will kind of come up later in the next few verses, but just remember that um, And then I love verse twenty, and it's funny, me and Kyle were talking about this earlier, and we we just started laughing, but um, this is the original mic drop. So if, if y'all know what a mic drop is, you know, somebody says something big, drops a mic, and goes and sits down. And it's just kind of, I imagine in the synagogue and today when we see a mic drop, um, it's just kind of the silence that's in the room, right? Um, and so I just love that that Jesus does this. He rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, and he just sits down. Um, and it doesn't really say that there's this awkward Pause or silence, but I can just imagine they're just kind of sitting there, like, okay, this, this is all Jesus has. Um, and so <clears throat> we look at verse um, verse 21 through 22 next. And so after this long pause of, of the mic drop and everybody's just kind of sitting around, um, it says, And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So if you look in Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, and Isaiah 58, um, verse 6, we see that Christ is coming into the synagogue. He quotes that verse um, from Isaiah, and he's claiming to be the Messiah. So um, these people were waiting for over four hundred years for a Messiah to come and this this guy um, from from their own hometown comes in and says, "Hey, I am the Messiah um, and today this message has been fulfilled um, and so we see mo- they, they marvel at first um, but that doesn't last long so that excitement that was there before is is about to change um, and so they say aren't you Joseph's son?" so they knew Mary and Joseph—they knew the family. They, they probably bought wood carvings from Joseph. Um, they probably had meals with Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Um, Jesus probably came and probably bought stuff from from people's shops in his hometown. So they knew the family, um, and they kind of they kind of knew who Joseph was, um, and they knew he was a carpenter, and they knew he was just a common man, and so. This shows doubt in the people in the synagogue. Um, they're, they're saying, how can this Messiah come from just a common man and a common family? Um, and so we look down at verse 23. And the key phrase in this, I won't read it, but the key phrase is, physician, heal yourself. So they're in the synagogue They've heard Jesus come and say, hey, I am the Messiah. Um, And if you look at verse 14 and 15, you know that they've heard stories about what Jesus is doing and how he started his ministry and the things that he's done in the beginning of his ministry. And and they're basically saying, do a miracle, Jesus. We've seen what you've done in Capernaum. We've seen what you've done um, all throughout Galilee. We want to see you do something here because we don't believe what we're hearing. Um, And if you look at the language they say, do do a miracle, um, do what we've heard that you have done." Um, and this shows doubt in itself and unbelief in itself because they say they don't say, "God, do this, or do that." They say, "Do what we have heard you've done." Um, and so that that also shows some unbelief there. So the big thing to get out of this, and this is where the message, I guess, really turns, and this is where I want y'all to to really, I guess, focus in on, but do a miracle, Um, and and this is the key part of the sermon, is they wanted their needs to be met. That's all they were looking for Jesus was, hey, I need physical needs met. Um, I have a headache right now. Heal me, Um, so they want immediate, um, their immediate needs to be met, and so I was at the Georgia game yesterday, um, and so, of course, they won, so I was doing a lot of yelling. And, um, you know, coming up here and and talking, my voice is kind of hurting, so does anybody have a cough drop? Anybody? Oh, dude, thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thanks. Aren't y'all excited? That he, of all people, had a cough drop, right? I mean, is that not exciting? this week, please go tell everybody that Matthew hands out cough drops to people in need, all right? <clears throat> <laughs> oh, so let's go to verse um, verses twenty four through twenty seven and so in verse twenty four I'm not going to read just because of the sake of time, but Um, Jesus is no different than the Old Testament prophets who were rejected by the people. And so if you look in verses 25 through 27, we see two examples. One of Elijah, who blesses a widow. And then we also see a second example that Jesus gives is Elisha, and he heals a leper. And so you kind of have to go back and really kind of study these Old Testament prophets and their mission and, and what these two specific examples, um, what they kind of did. But the key point is, no Israelites' needs were met, but the Gentiles, and that's the key, the Gentiles, the widow and the leper, they were Gentiles. They weren't uh, Israelites. They weren't people of God. Their, the Gentiles' needs were met because of they had belief. The Israelites back in the day They didn't believe in the prophets and what they were teaching. They just wanted their physical needs met. Um, And so those closest to Jesus, this is a quote I heard, those closest to Jesus may miss God's blessings while others who are far away will receive it. So for the Christian today, doesn't that sink in? We want Jesus to come into our lives and, and we want our needs to be met and we want to see God move. Um, but man, these people outside of, of God's people are the ones that their needs were met. So of course, the, the Jews in the, in, the, in the synagogue, of course, are going to get offended at this, right? Because they are God's people. Um, similar to us, if let's say some evil person out there got healed. And we're sitting here. Oh well, I'm I'm a good person. I'm a, I follow Jesus. Why didn't I get healed? Um, so they get offended, and you f- you see that in verse 28. Saint Augustine has a quote, and he says they love truth when it enlightens them, but hate truth when it accuses them. Man, how true is that? That kind of rocked my world this week. I'm going to read it one more time. They love truth. When it enlightens them, but hate truth when it accuses them. So, in this passage, we see that they wanted Christ to come and submit to their needs and wants instead of submitting to Him. They wanted a cough drop, they had a sore throat. Obviously, it's probably more than just a sore throat. We hear mentions of widows and, and lepers, which are serious, um, one's serious illness, and other um, is a serious need and a serious brokenness. Um, and, and Jesus came and, and, and healed and blessed those two. Um, but you see in those two examples, they submitted to the prophets and what they were teaching the Israelites missed out because they wouldn't believe. They wouldn't put their trust in what the prophets were teaching. Um, and say, the same is true for the Jews, which we're about to see. They had needs to be met, um, but they, they did not believe it. They looked at Joseph and Mary, and they said, this is a common family. How can this Messiah, this, this king... Meet us. We've heard these things in them, but do them here, and he doesn't. And that shows unbelief there. So if, if you see in those scriptures, um, verse 30, it says, they became so angry that they drove him out of town, and they wanted to kill him. Now it says they, they took him up to a brow of a hill of the town, and they were going to throw him off, um, some commentators said um, that this is similar to a stoning. Um, so, not necessarily taking him up to Preacher's Rock and throwing him off. But the gist is they wanted to kill him. That's how mad they were. So, my throat's kind of hurting again. Does anybody have a cough drop? Canard, where are you at, man? You don't have one, Canard? Why not? You can't come through right now? Sorry. That's that's all you got is sorry? Yeah. My needs m- need to be met. My throat's really hurting. I don't know if I can continue to preach. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so right now my needs aren't met. I'm kind of mad at Kennard because he doesn't have another cough drop. So this week when you go tell that story, make sure to add that second. Second part where he didn't provide in that sense, okay? Verse 30 also shows us um, kind of some humor in a sense, but um, we do see that Jesus actually did perform a miracle that day. So the crowds are chasing him out of town, and I can just see the anger in the crowds. But verse 30, it says, But passing through their midst, he went away. Everybody in town would have known who Jesus was. They would have known what he looked like. I picture just this huge crowd, I don't know how many people, but just chasing him. So all their focus is going to be on this one man. But see, the miracle is he escaped. How did he get away? It's something that I've been questioning this whole week is, man, that was a miracle. These people's focus was on him. And they they grew up with him. They knew what he looked like. But somehow, a miracle was performed and he just passes through the people. So now you're probably wondering okay, we've gone through the scripture. What does this mean for me as a Christian today? How can this relate to me? Um, I want to ask you a question. How often do we want Christ to submit to our needs and wants and we end up missing him? How often does that happen? God, help me do this. God, I have a huge test tomorrow. Help me in that test. Help me while I'm preaching a sermon. This message hit me hard this week because I'm just as guilty of it in this message. Man, God, I needed a need. I want you to be there for me when I'm preaching. I hope this goes well. Can you help me out? But man, how many how many times this week in other areas of my life did I just miss him? I didn't submit to him. I even rebelled against him. But I just wanted this need to be met. You don't have to raise your hand but how many, how many people have, or how many of y'all have pray, prayed the prayer, if you do this, God, I will never. So we want, we want our needs to be met in that. And we're making God a promise, which I think is funny because we're sinful and we know we can't hold to promises. But we say, God, if you just heal this area of my life, I will never sin against you. But man, Why do we do that? Because we know we can't. We just want that need. We want that instant um, comfort in that time. We we really don't want Jesus. We just want his stuff, right? We all are seeking comfort in in life. So we idolize comfort over Jesus. We don't want Jesus. We just want his stuff. In a way, I, th- I see that as comfort over faith. We don't have faith in Jesus, and we put our comfort as an idol over Him. So, a few questions as we close Are you seeking temporary comfort over God? You might ask, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, So I'm gonna just throw out these questions and I just want you to think on them. What does your prayer life look like? What does your time in the word look like? And what does your faith look like? So kind of expanding those, what does your prayer life look like? So in the Jews' case, they only prayed when they needed a need to be met. In my case this week, I'm guilty of it, just being transparent. God, I know I'm preaching on Sunday. Help me. The next question, what does your time in the word look like? Just being transparent. Most of my time in the Word, which is not a bad thing, but most of my time in the Word this week was preparing for this sermon, not for my personal growth. And in that case, I'm just wanting Jesus. I'm kind of seeking that need from Jesus in that and not trusting him with other areas of my life. And again, what does your faith look like? So you might have faith in God and trust God in some areas, um, of your life, and some you might not. I know for the college students here, your future is unknown. You don't know what kind of career you're going after. Some do, some don't. Um, And you might have faith in that area, but you might not. You might doubt God in in that need of yours of, God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Some people might not have faith in God surrounding their money. Do we trust God in that area? Or are we just seeking comfort? So I want to bring up this cough drop again. And I know this is kind of funny, and I really hope it goes well, but we'll see. <laughs> um, So, yes, Kennard knew he was going to get a cough drop, and he knew the first time I was going to ask him to hand it to me. He did not know the second time that I was going to do that. And so today, I cut off the package that describes the cough drops and just the drug facts, and I want to look at the uses. And I read this earlier today. It says uses, temporary reliefs, of sore throat and coughs. The key word is temporary in that. So I wanna ask you, do we treat God like a cough drop looking for temporary relief and comfort or do we fully trust and believe God in every area of our lives? Let me say that one more time. Do we trust God, do we treat God like a cough drop looking for temporary relief and comfort, or do we fully trust and believe God in every area of our lives? So I know there's not much application tonight, and I know I've left you with a lot of questions, but I think that's kind of the application in this message, is to just sit there and answer those questions on your own, Look at your life and ask yourself, are we seeking comfort and are we seeking God's stuff over Jesus? Life might be, tar- might be hard and I think sometimes this is where the doubt comes because we all have needs. But I want to point this out. God is kingdom-minded, and we're not. Our focus is here and now, and how life is right now, and in the future. We might have 80 years of needs for God, but I think sometimes this is where we miss Jesus, is we're not kingdom-minded, and we're not focused in this eternal life that we all have. And I think that's something that we don't want to miss out on. Life might not be fair, and I think sometimes we'll, we go to God and we beg for things. Um, but he knows the bigger picture. He has our story in his hands. So no matter what that need is, I want to challenge y'all to seek Jesus in that need. Don't seek the need to be fulfilled. Look past that. God is kingdom-minded, and so I think we should change our focus to be kingdom-minded as well. We run the risk of missing Jesus. As I close, I want to read um, a quote from John Bloom, and this kind of touches on, on our needs. Says, when God chooses not to tell us everything, he shows us more mercy than we realize. When God chooses not to tell us everything, he shows us more mercy than we realize. So, once again, we have those needs. We want a temporary fixed to those needs. We want to be comfortable. And I think it's funny how we get mad when God doesn't provide for us. We get angry at him just like the Jews did here when they said, "Hey, show us a miracle. Heal yourself." I think this is another area where we miss Jesus a lot. I want to remind you that God is kingdom minded. He's focused on His story, and we're just a little blink in His story. We might not understand why we have the needs we have, or why God puts us in situations where we do have needs, but He does. Isn't that beautiful that we can rest in that? And that's where we run the risk of missing Jesus in that. Once again, I know there's not a lot of application from this sermon, but I I want you to sit there and examine yourself and really ask the question, am I after Jesus or am I after his stuff? So during this time, I'm going to open up, we're going to open up communion. And this is just a time where you can think about those questions, read through the scripture, pray, examine yourself, ask yourself, am I seeking Jesus or am I just seeking his stuff? So if you're a believer today, communion is open up open to you. Um, we ask that if you're not a believer, that you will um, just stay and, and process and think um, and come talk to us if you have questions. But we ask that you just stay at your, at your table as believers take communion. Let's pray, dearly Father. I'm thankful that you are kingdom minded, and that your story is way bigger than our story. I'm thankful that you know all the plans you have for my life. God, you know all the plans you have for everyone in this room. God, I pray that we won't miss you in that truth. God, I'm sorry that I continually seek your stuff over you. God, I pray that you will convict me of that. God, I I know there's times that when I'm guilty of of doing that, that I, I miss you. I miss the bigger plans that you have for my life. God, I'm so thankful for your grace and your love and that even in those times that that I seek your things and I seek my comfort and I idolize that comfort over you, I'm, I'm just so thankful that I can just rest in you and I can rest and know that your story is bigger than mine. God, you might not tell us and me why we have this needs or why we're in this this time of suffering. But I pray that my faith and I pray that everyone's faith in this room will will just cling to you, God. We know anything outside of you is going to disappoint us. God, so I pray that you will protect my heart from running to other things. And I pray that you will just help me to run after you. I pray that I won't miss you. God, once again, we're just so thankful for who you are and your grace and your love that you have for us. And we just love you and praise you. Amen.